Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Big Owl Family. Hello and welcome to another Smash Side Special on Smash Pod, hosted by me, John Rain. These will sometimes appear for the odd occasion that something mildly related to Bond will need to be discussed. Need to be, I tell you. And this week, my guest is the excellent writer David Lewis, who can be found on Twitter as at David C. Lewis. And we will be discussing this week the 1990 Roger Moore and Michael Caine cry for help that is bullseye! Exclamation mark. It's a doozy. So strap in, lads. This is going to be ugly. Meet Dr. Hitler and Sir John Babistock, two corrupt scientists hiding a fortune in diamonds. Their only misfortune is that they share a striking resemblance to these two thieves. This is absolutely unbelievable. Now with a little help. Plastic surgery. These crooks will have the perfect faces to pull off the perfect heist. Uh, My name is Hitler. Dr. Daniel Hitler. Love the new nose, Sid. The accent stinks. I'm dead. But before these imposters can take off with the loot, they'll take on the real scientists. You'll never guess who I've got tied up in my cabin. Only you would think about sex at a time like this. David Lewis, welcome aboard. Hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My God, what have you said? What have we done? I don't know. I already feel bad. Because very we, bad. We, we have known each other a while on Twitter. Yes. And uh, we have talked about Bullseye before on Twitter. Yes. In fact, my copy of Bullseye that I watched tonight, you sent me in the post. Yes, that is true. Yes, it that is. That is actually true. And, um, oh my God. <laughs> um, I mean, where do you start with this? It's, 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 I've written down here, it feels like a Beatles film screenplay that's been fed through a shit machine. That's a very apt description. Did you know who, um, who wrote? Marks and Gran. They wrote the screenplay, but do you know who actually came up with the story? No. Leslie Briscus. <laughs> who, of course, wrote the lyrics to Goldfinger and You Only Live Twice. He did. The theme songs. This, this is obviously before he had that head injury. Well, there, there was presumably some sort of road accident mm. um, at some point after his musical career failed. Yeah. And he, I don't know, fell under a bus. And when he woke up the next day, he suddenly had this idea and went to see, because as you do when you have these great ideas, you go and see Michael Winner. 
Mm. Because who well, else would you take an idea of this magnitude to? I mean, another red warning light in the credits was obviously that it was produced by Menaheim Golan. Possibly, who's he? He. These are the Canon people. Really? Oh Jesus! Yeah, the, the red light being that it's produced by Canon. So, oh dear. Uh, I have got a theory that because um, I was watching this, just thinking, who the fuck would let this go out? And then I thought, well, <laughs> Canon would. And then I thought, well, Michael Winner has obviously done favors for them because he did the Death Wish sequels that didn't need to be made for them. So they must have. He must have said, look, give me money to make this terrible comedy film. I think that's what must have happened. But how did I'm? I've been. I was reading Roger Moore's uh, autobiography again to sort of refresh my memory, and he devotes a whole two paragraphs to Bullseye. So, yeah. um, but he does explain that you know he, him, and Michael were sat down for dinner. Um, Michael Caine, that is, and yeah. Winner was there, and he, he somehow talked them into it. And I can't work out how, other than he slipped something in the swordfish risotto or whatever they're eating, and it was you know drugs basically. Because why would you? If you're a comfortably millionaire film star, what would persuade you to make something this appalling? But this is only four years after Jaws the Revenge. So Michael Caine is going through this period of just doing anything for money. Yes. And I guess true, Roger Moore's post Bond. So anything you get is, you know, is acceptable. Well, in a way, this is, I mean, I know it's probably shoehorning too far to try and work this into the Bond canon too much, but this is a bit how um, Bond would have panned out if he hadn't been hoofed out for being too old and too Botox, isn't it, really? Yeah. Because if Future Kill is riddled with many of the appalling traits of Bullseye, mm-hmm. so if you give him, I don't know, living daylights to sort of get slightly bad, if he made a, a license to kill equivalent, then it would probably be this. Yes, I think you're right. But we should, before we, before we get too far into it, we should probably explain to people listening who probably quite rightly and never want to watch Bullseye <laughs> what actually it is about. Because it's a, it's a crazy... Um, uh, mistaken identity film in a way, isn't it? Well, you could mistake it for a film. I mean, yeah. that's that's initially one of the problems. It's a, well, it's a it's a it's a caper, isn't it? Yeah. You, you would describe it as a caper. If you mm. were making this in the sort of fifties, it, it would be a caper. Mm. Um, so Michael Winner directed this caper, starring Michael Caine and Roger Moore, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and they play dual roles to make it even more of a caper. They play two corrupt scientists and two bumbling wankers. <laughs> Um, Bumbling which, wankers is quite precise, I think. Well, they are, they're idiots, aren't they? I mean, yeah. the, Michael Caine sort of plays himself, as he usually does, yeah. in his latter roles, and Roger Moore obviously plays himself like he does in all of his roles. But so you also, get a kind of... He's turned up to 11, because it's like, Michael Winners obviously said to him, you know how when you're Bond, you want to sleep with everything? Can you make that more... <laughs> Do you make it that you want to actually just fuck everything that moves? <laughs> but not in a suave way. Yeah, he, he comes across as, as as a as a pervert, obviously, but also a kind of likable pervert. If, if, mm. if, you, if there was a scale of perversion where you have likable ones and you know criminals, he's yeah. very much on the likable end of the scale. But yeah, but the the, just, plot, the plot is these two scientists. The well, one's a scientist, Michael Caine's this American scientist. So bear this in mind, right? Yes, who discovers this new fusion, which is as far as as into science as it gets. Yes, yeah, that will get rid of which will revolutionize energy. Yeah, so you'll create a, a source of cheap electricity for everybody, right. which will simultaneously make um, Dr. Daniel Hickler, who, which is his name, uh, which is his name, the scientist's and, name, the scientist, and his partner, Sir John Bavistock. That's right, which is played by Roger Moore, played by Roger Moore. Who, I, keep thinking, I wonder if Roger Moore was supposed to be American, but obviously couldn't do it. 
Because well, that's what gets really confusing, is that Roger Moore is Roger Moore in both parts. <laughs> he makes no effort to be different in either role. Or maybe he heard Michael Caine's effort at an American accent and thought, <laughs> fuck that, fuck that shit, I'm not going near it. Because I don't think the world was quite ready for Roger Moore as an American. Well, Michael Caine as an American is bad enough, isn't it? So leaving... He won an Oscar for doing this same role inside the House Rules, you know. I've never seen that. Is he, is he an American? Or He's an American he... inside the House Rules and got an Oscar for it. But he is, to my mind, and I haven't seen it for a while... He's essentially doing the same voice. <laughs> I can't wait not to see that because yeah. the, the idea is horrible, really. But so they discover this fusion. Yes. And then um, um, they pretend that they haven't found it because the press, for some reason, are interviewing Roger Moore that day. Yes, he, he's ogling the legs of a, the journalist, as I recall. Yeah, and then he, say, he says to her, she says, what's the... Was the experiment a success? Michael Caine says, no, it's a complete failure. And then Roger Moore says, so I've written this down, it's back to the drawing board. Have you ever tried that position? <laughs> Trying perhaps not to get into it too quickly. That's the first of, what, 90, 100 uh, sex entendres that he will come up with over the yeah. course of the next hour and a half? Back to the drawing board. Have you ever tried? Oh, my God. Yes. Meanwhile, of course... Yeah. Um, well, at the same this time, this is the first instance, the utterance of the word bullseye because Babist, I know what Babist, was Hickler says it as Hickler. he comes out of the, the lab. He says bullseye. Yes. Unless you're watching the internet, uh, the version on YouTube, where, which for some reason it's, it's, I don't know if it's what country it's from, but mm. everything in it is in English. All the subtitles and the credits, everything's in English except the title. <laughs> it, it spins up as some, I, I won't even attempt to remember what it was, but it's. Because my copy, DVD copy, is knackered, so I watched it on YouTube. So this is like Bushley. Yes, yeah. I mean maybe 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 it does mean cock or something in whatever language it is, because it would sum it up quite probably. But anyway, yeah. So while Bavistock and Hitler are celebrating and pretending that they've not got anything to celebrate, yeah, we've got the other Michael Caine and the other Roger Moore, and the other Michael Caine is Sidney Lipton, yeah, who's uh, got a big big uh, honking conk. Yes, he's got a huge nose to make mm. it clear at the early stage, at least, yeah. to differentiate between him and his doppelganger, yeah. Dr. Hickler. Um, and he's in, the, he's in the slammer, isn't he? For, yeah. But he something. is excellent at darts. He's almost like one of the Avengers. He's like Hawkeye. Yes, he is. Because he's throwing darts. Every dart he throws goes into the... Bullseye. Exactly. See, And, he, and, and then you're just like, oh, look, they're just they're playing with us here. There's a double bullseye <laughs> within two minutes. Now he now the, I don't know what point this was coming because the working title song was Train of Events, which obviously <laughs> sorry when I we just get spat, to the late... spat beer all over my computer. <laughs> <laughs> so when we get to the latter stage of the film or the, the bulk of the film set on a train where events happen, um, the title Train of Events becomes you know it makes sense, but obviously they wanted a a tagline to centre it on, so they made. Sydney into a darts expert instead. Well, this is all. So. This is all I can imagine. Michael Winner saying, "Let's call it Bullseye." <laughs> <laughs> I don't like well, train of events. Bullseye is much better. <laughs> I was hoping we'd get through this without a Michael Winner impression. It's not going to happen. If we have to do that, then we must at all costs avoid the phrase "calm down, dear," or "brutally raped and stabbed." Yo, God! Yeah. I, I watched. I watched Death Wish actually. Mm. Um, Many years ago, but I did watch it, and it's the only other Michael Winner film I've ever seen. The first one's so, good. Well, I can't remember if it's the first one or the second one. Something horrible happens to a housekeeper. Uh, is that the first one, one or the second one? Oh, second one. Jeff Goldblum's one of the rapists. Really? Yeah. Fuck, well, I, I think it was his that. first film role, I think. Well, he got better. Yeah. Winner, obviously, got better because obviously he, he made Bullseye. Oh, of course, yeah. Presum- presumably, that, that, presumably, obviously, that would proceed 
that if Jeff Goldblum was in his first role. But yeah, anyway, because it was Death Wish three as well, which Michael Winner did for for Canon. I think it's Death Wish two is for Canon as well. Bloody hell! And then yeah, then this. But yeah, so Roger Moore in the meantime is a hapless criminal who's called Gerald. Gerald. Well, this they, it depends if you believe what they call him in the film or what's written in the credits because it's mm. different. Mm. Gerald. He's Gerald Bradley Scott in right. the film, but. Yeah inexplicably in the credits proving that they didn't really give a shit about it. He's Gerald Bradley Smith. So okay, good. you can choose which one he is. One of many continuity um, errors throughout the entire film. <laughs> well, that's just one of the, one of the, the bond issues, if you like, I, I made a whole list of, of um, issues that could perhaps be applied to bond that are applied, applicable to bullseye. And there's about 20. But to show how but horrible he, Roger Moore is, is that when he's first, the first time you see him is he's pretending to be a general Yes. And he steals some luggage from a rich person at a hotel. He does. And he's got a chauffeur, and he looks in the suitcase that he's stolen, and there's some <laughs> nudie pics, right? And he basically goes to the chauffeur, yeah, look at these. The chauffeur <laughs> crashes. <laughs> and Roger Moore gets out and then goes, see you later. And while, while the chauffeur's being arrested. It's well, like, it's, it's, he, he's a bastard, isn't he? But he's, he's a lovable bastard, as we said. He, he's... he's uh, didn't he say, oh, you have these, Tim, you're an art lover or something like I that. See, he says, you're an art lover. And then he makes him look at him while he's driving. <laughs> um, Wait till he, you've stopped. But this, again, is, I guess is also a, 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 a not entirely unsubtle flag as to how, how his character works because he's, as it becomes clear later, is notorious for leaving his partners in the lurch and mm. getting away while they face the, uh, the wrath of Her Majesty's pleasure, which is why Sidney, Michael Caine, is in prison because he's been left in the lurch by Gerald three years, I think he's earlier on some other unmentioned job. Yeah. So, so when the, Sydney and Gerald get back together, it's no surprise that Sydney starts throttling him and calling him a bastard. Yeah, because then we meet their, their female friend who's called, and I've forgotten her name. Willie. Willie, thank you. Yeah. Played by Sally Kirkland. Played by Sally Kirkland, Poor yes. Poor Sally Kirkland. This is, she only, she's only three years, I think three years before that, if my notes serve me correctly, she was nominated for an Oscar for a, a performance in a film called Anna. I don't know what it's about. Well, I don't know but, if you, your notes correct you on this, that Michael Caine won an Oscar four years before this. Of course he did, fucking hell. <laughs> so you've got two Oscar, you know, at the very least, nominated people in Bullseye. Well, it should be enough, really, for it people to, who, who are listening who have not watched it to go to YouTube. or mm. Because you can't buy it on DVD. This is the terrible thing. I, yeah. I wait for years for it to come. Obviously, like you say, I sent you that copy, which I taped off a VHS that I bought yeah. secondhand in a cash converter or something. Mm. Um, because such it's, is it's, your love you know, for Bullseye. Such is my love and dedication <laughs> to the cause of Bullseye. Um, where did you first see it, actually, come to think of it? Where, where, how did you come I, I rented it on video. Yeah. When it came out on video, so like 1990, really? yeah. And I watched it. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> and then I taped it off TV. And I had it on well, tape for years. I taped it off the telly, definitely, at, at some point in the early 90s when it was on, you know, probably 11 o'clock on a Thursday yeah. or something. Yeah. I saw, oh, Roger Moore's in it. Let's, let's tape Roger this. Roger Moore, Michael Caine, directed by Michael Winner. I, exactly. You know, what I would have stayed up probably in. Well, nothing. No. Um, also, the music, Just I must just drop in while we're talking about the, the mm. credits. So, music by John Dupre. Do you know who John Dupre is? Yes, uh, the Python-esque. Uh, he did the Fish Called Wonder soundtrack as well. He did. Um, it sounds did like the Fish Wonder. Wonder soundtrack. It does. There's a, the, the sort of s- sub-Seinfeld slap, synth-slap bass sound is, is yeah. sort of very much so. He did Spam a lot. He did Karen Columbus. He did the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles trilogy. Yeah. One, two, and three. Yeah. 
Um, and he was in Modern Romance. Yeah, uh, he was a trump. He was a trumpet player in Modern Romance. Blimey! So uh, and, and he, now he just basically follows Eric Eric Idle's whims to put on musicals. Yeah. So whatever Eric Idle says, I think we need to do this. He'll say, "Show me the money." But he does it for love, I'm sure, not just for the money. Absolutely. I mean, who would that be? Sure. Well, I want to go back to Bullseye. Is that uh, Michael Caine has been in prison? Don't they say he's only been in prison three years? Did I read yes. that right? Right. Yes, and, I think so. And they say to him when he when he has to have, he has to have a nose job to make himself look like <laughs> uh, <laughs> to make himself look like um, Doctor Daniel Hickler. Yes, he and does. And they say to him, he says, I, he, "Michael Caine." At this point, has he already done Dirty Rotten Scoundrel at this point? So you know he's got a nice yes. comedy in this. Yes, I have to say, him and Roger Moore, it's like they've never acted before in their life. They are dreadful. Yeah, there's there's no merit in their performances. But there's they're, a bit where uh, Michael Caine has to have post nose job, so he's, he talks like that. <laughs> he, he makes it. He turns up to eleven, so he's like, "Oh, I've got a bad nose." <laughs> yeah, and they say to him, he says, um, "He says, I wonder what they do with the bit of nose they've taken off." And Roger Moore says, "They probably give it to Michael Jackson." And he goes, "Who's Michael Jackson? Like, you've been in prison oh. three years, and you don't know who Michael okay. Jackson is." I'd never thought about that. Yeah, I thought, yes, another shoehorned reference to contemporary popular culture, like Rob Lowe gets mentioned when, they, when there's that, that randy dog is shagging lots of other dogs. Yeah, I want to I get to that. Well, we'll, we'll come to that in due course. Um, yeah. But that, Rob Lowe's mentioned, and who else is mentioned? Oh, Kim Bassinger. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, that it's I just understand, on, but Michael Jackson's been around since the mid-70s. Yeah, he should know, shouldn't he? Yeah. Unless Sydney's crime is greater then he makes out and he's yeah. actually been inside for 15 years for something absolutely appalling. Well, well, we'll, we'll get to that with the dogs because at <laughs> one point they have to, once they've got their disguises sorted, Roger Moore's put his wig on because Roger Moore at the beginning has got white hair and a moustache. Yes, he does. In an attempt to sort of say that he is slightly different even though he isn't. So Michael Caine has his nose job, Roger Moore has his hair done. Oh, and there's a brilliant bit where um, they find out that they've both got gentlemen's clubs, right? Yes. So Roger Moore says, well, I'm going to go and investigate as a bet, he says, I bet I can go to his <laughs> club, right? And he I gets there. I can't believe I'm it, laughing because I know what is coming. Well, he turns out it's a brothel, right? It does turn out it's a brothel. And he comes back and he's like, oh, I changed halves, at, I changed ends at half time. Half time. <laughs> what are you talking about? And it turns out it's a brothel. So Michael Caine's like, right, well, I'm going to go and check out my club. And Evelyn for Dr. Hitler. And it's, Hitler, uh, not, not Dr. Hitler. It's a man who, who he meets at the club who gives him a and massage. Well, a vicious massage because you've got Roger Moore in a nice little split screen, him going, those aromatic oils, uh, those mm. sensual hands, those mm. delicate hands. And obviously, Rod- Michael Caine's having the shit beaten out of him by this, this masseuse. But it's the implication that he then had to have anal sex because when he gets back, he's limping. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm trying to work out because he gets his massage, which obviously they're not going to show distinguished actor Michael Caine getting <laughs> bummed by a bustle man, are they? But the implication when he gets back is that he's been, you know, he's had to have anal sex. I didn't think about it like that, but now I will go to bed tonight trembling in horror. <laughs> it's not like being sexy beast Michael. with Michael Cohn. <laughs> <laughs> imagine yes. instead of Ian McShane sort of like looking, you know, like, oh, I'm doing it for the money. Imagine Michael Cohn literally. Well, <laughs> Bullseye is that scene from Sexy Beast, isn't it? Well, I'm, I now imagine Michael Cohn coming and going, he touched me on the front bottom and then collapsing on the floor <laughs> and demanding £50 off uh, no, Michael Cohn. Oh, Oh dear, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's traumatised me somewhat. But anyway, it turns out that they have to get these keys, 
right? For these safety deposit boxes. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure. This is the point where the, the actual plot, the A plot, yeah. becomes a little bit confusing yes, in does. terms of they're, they're trying to get the diamonds, yeah. which belong to Baverstock and Hitler. Mm. Why? Uh, because, the, I don't know. I don't know. But they have to get the keys, right? So... Uh, Roger Moore breaks it, goes into um, Hickler's house, dressed as uh, yes. Peter Sellers, pretending to be a piano tuner. Yes, Roger Moore said this was his favourite ever uh, dressing up role he ever had to do. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Because he did this sort of... Have you seen... Um, I think it's Curse, or it might be Trail, Trail of the Pink Panther. Um Is that the one where... It's the second he, one they he, did after Sellers was dead. Oh, the second one, Jesus! I was going to say, is it the one after Peter Sellers died? If it's yeah, they did one. No, then they did one after Sellers died called Curse of the Pink Panther, where they used offcuts from our offcuts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Then they did one after that with a new fella who was supposed to be like a new Cluzo type detective, an, Ameri- thought, an American guy. Didn't didn't Roger Moore? Pl- I didn't Roger Moore. Pl- this this may be complete nonsense. I thought Roger Moore had played Cluzo after he does. This is what I was going to say. When he oh, finally finds the, the, the finds Cluzo at the end, it's Roger Moore supposedly having had plastic <laughs> surgery and he pretends to be Peter Sellers and does lots of pratfalls. And this, this bit here that he's doing here reminded me of that, except he's doing German and he's doing the exact same piano tuner shtick, <laughs> except Sellers does it as a telephone repair man in return of the pink Panther. But it's the same shtick. Right. It's like, I am a deaf German, I'm deaf and blind or whatever. Anyway, so he does that, but Michael Caine has to break in to get the key from uh, Baverstock's house. And Baverstock has a small, tiny yapping dog. And an enormous Rottweiler. An enormous Rottweiler who's got the key around his neck. Yes. On his collar. So he abandons that plan. And then, rather than saying, I've got an idea, let's get this dog to have sex with another dog and we'll get the key, and then leave it at that. Because it's a Michael Winner film, we then have to have gratuitous scenes of dogs having sex. It is a dog fucking film. It's gratuitous. I just thought, I I thought to myself, why didn't they just drug the dog? And then I thought, ah, but then you wouldn't get to sit. Because Michael Caine and Roger Moore literally pull up a chair and watch a dog fucking for like uh, uh, like an hour. 
And Prince, as I believe the dog's name is, I goes through six. Prince was me. <laughs> <laughs> Not in any reference to yeah. any MS called The Prince, artist no. formerly known as Fido. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Prince, his name is. And we have to get through the, the bit where the the alluring dog is put on the back of a lorry and driven past as a group of school children and none. Yeah. So that when Prince, not the artist formerly known no, as no, Prince, no. Prince rushes up to him and starts, up to her, sorry, and starts shagging away. You have the, the nun horrified and scandalising the children laughing. Obviously, why wouldn't you put that in there? But you get, less of, you get less of the nun reaction and you get more of the dog shagging. Yeah, and that's when we get the Rob Lowe reference, isn't it? Because they, yeah. they take Prince off and he shags the six girls. And, and then we get, there is a, a classic line, which I don't know if you made note of in there. Probably not. Where, where Michael Caine said... Ago, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> where Michael Caine says to, uh, to Roger Moore, says, do you remember when you could do it six times in one day? And Roger Moore, of course, has to say, I can remember two weeks ago, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> so what happens after this? So they get the keys off the, off the dog, and they've got the, the key off from being a blind piano tuner. Yeah. Then they go. To, then they go to actually go to the safety deposit boxes yep. to get them. They get them. They get the diamonds, which are in the safety deposit box. And as they are leaving, the, the loads of guards turn out, and they think that they're in in trouble. But it turns out that the worst queen lookalike that's ever been imagined is visiting that day. Is she the same one who who does it in the Naked Gun? No, no, that, that's Jeanette Charles. She actually looks like the queen. She's it's, quite because she's quite a good queen, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, very. But I obviously couldn't afford her because they've got someone who just looks. Like a woman, <laughs> and she's got um, corgis with her, and she's yeah. dressed a bit, bit sort of like the queen on a stamp. So she, she must be the queen, yes. Yeah, and so they manage to get out, and then, uh, but yeah, I, I keep going back to the dogs thing. I keep thinking that surely it's just you could because their plan with that dog. Sorry to go back to it, but the no, plan please. with that dog is to tire it out so it'll go to sleep. Yes, just give it a bit of meat with drugs in it, and it will mm. go to sleep. Well. Obviously, their thoughts were clearly addled by dog um, sex, by well, by human sex in Roger Moore's case, and by mm. masseuses potentially touching front bottoms in in Michael Caine's case. But this whole because, this whole section here, I suppose it's supposed to be character development, but it made me think like it was for your uh, for your on the buses only. <laughs> it was like an on the buses spy film. It was like it was like they're both sitting there going, "Whoa, look, the dog's having sex with another dog." Look at that bitch. They could say it and they, they'd be legitimate and do so. Um, yeah. But the, the, the best bit is, is when because you know this film feels like it's like 20 years out of date, like it was on a shelf for 20 years. And yes. Then, and then they get their taxi, don't they? Is this after they've been in prison? They've, after they've been locked up for punching a fat bloke? Oh, that's right. They, they have a scrap of the... They go to some... Inexplicably, they go to get a drink and it turns out all the scientists are there. Yeah. And... Someone he punches someone because he says he says he says horse shit, which I think is quite good. I like horse shit. That's a yeah, good, strong, good, strong swear. So there's a big scrum. There's a, there's a real fun front page as well, isn't there? That's very rare. You see an actual yes, that's with, true. The, with the correct typeset as well. Mm. Um, so which it's depressing. That it's the sun, but <sighs> the fact that you actually see the correct typesets is quite nice. I thought so. Yeah. So, so yeah, they get they get busted out of prison by. The brigadier from Doctor Who, who's who's playing the chief scientific advisor. Yep, um, Sir Hugh, whatever his name Who is, Nicholas Courtney. The F-bum, F-bum, he does F-bum later. As back in the early nineties, when I was, you know, still a fairly young and still um, fairly Doctor Who fanish, mm-hmm. I was horrified to see the brigadier say "fuck." Yeah, 
but it was also quite good. So I suppose that was maybe one of the reasons I liked it. I don't know. It's fairly but, punk. Yeah. Which brings us to this taxi driver that picks him up, who is a punk. Well, he's a punk in name only, I think, isn't he? He's, yeah. he's not, he's, he's like, if, if you, you know that old um, thing about if you give six blind men and eight six different barbed elephant, they define a different thing. Mm. This is like if you give six dead people um, the attempt to touch a corpse, another corpse, and they'll, because it's nothing like a punk. It's, it's, it's got punk hair, mm. um, but he's smoking a joint, he's driving a taxi. But it isn't um, his taxi. What, what, what is it? No, because he's nicked it, hasn't he? He's, he's nicked stolen it, but he's it. still picked up the fare. <laughs> what the fuck's he doing? He's, he's, oh dear. He's all over the place. And also, this is the kind of thing, if you were a 50-year-old man in 1990 and someone said, well, this, this nerd you will picks them up in a car, what would he look like? Oh, he'd be a punk. He'd be a punk in his Ford Cortina, smoking his spliff. Yeah. Are you Jesus. sure you're not thinking of 1976? No, definitely now. <laughs> the, the years have probably passed. Quicker for Michael Winner than they did for most other people. I think they probably um, did. Well, uh, as he got older, the women got younger, of course. Yes. He's very he's much dead. like uh, Matthew McConaughey in Dazed and Confused. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Only not attractive. No. Um, or talented. And happily, we can say these things now because he's dead. He's long so. dead. I wanted to talk about the narration because this film's so fucking terrible. It's like the anti Blade Runner because it's so what? terrible that they needed narration. Just stitch yes. it together. Because there's literally um, but, points where they're like, you see that bloke there? He's a baddie. There's one point, actually, and it's, it's quite near the end, but I think it's pertinent to mention this point because where Michael, because Michael Caine is all the narration, doesn't he? He does. And, and he, he says, um, and, and at this point, even I don't know who's who. Yeah. I'm thinking, but if we're following the logic that you're this <laughs> character, you must know who you are. I literally or, said out loud, I'm glad you find it funny, Michael. Because <laughs> no one else does. <laughs> yeah, so the, the, yeah, the narration is, is poor. There's also some um, excellent um, ADR exposition as well. Because just after they, uh, just after they lose the taxi driver dressed as a punk, and they they um, are then told of the plot. They get they get taken by the CIA and the MI5. And they're told, look, Babastock, to a meeting at the Transport Museum. Uh, yeah. yeah, the Transport Museum, which is supposed to be like I say, it just felt like it's something from the Avengers or Help. <laughs> they're just totally fucking tin-eared um, but they meet up and they're told right we need you to go and get these plans and carry on pretending to be Babastock and uh, Hickler yes so um, as they're going to then go engage in the plan and they're, and they're told that they can keep all the diamonds if both they do it which yes. is a million pounds each so then it cuts to them walking into the train station where Michael Caine says Oh, and they've been introduced to a girl called... Uh, Flo. Flo, uh, who is a CIA agent. Yes. Who will be accompanying them, and Sally Kirkland and Flo will pretend to be mother and daughter. They so as, will. Yeah, and as they're walking into the station, you then get this wonderful ADR from Michael Caine saying, you look great as mother and daughter, but I don't know why you came here. Oh, yes, of course. They're, they're trying to... He's, he's basically flagging up yeah. a plot point from later on, isn't he? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of ADR in this film, actually. It's, I was going to say when you, when you mentioned as well. When they're doing that big long chase towards the end, when Michael Caine in his narrator role says he doesn't know who's who and what's mm. going on, mm. there's loads of bits chucked in so they can just say, so "I'm Sir John and I'm not Sir John," and it's just so that you hopefully work out what's going on. But yeah, yeah, the ADR guy earned his money on this, no doubt. There's also some terrible running jokes of an American tourist whose wife gets hurt. In all sorts of ways. And he says... You say, you say terrible. 
what you mean is great. <laughs> well, she gets chucked in the river by a Chinese He's agent. the best guy in it. Is he? Yeah, oh, he's brilliant. He probably is, actually, when I think about it. He says, can I buy you a drink? <laughs> Every time someone hurts his wife. Um, get, he, a, get a divorce, mate. His Don't name's Elmer. A... Elmer. Um, he's, yes, Elmer. His wife, Jolene. Um, I looked I look this up. Yeah. Um, not only is, is he great, my favourite line in the film is actually when the, because the, it's one of the bidders for the diamonds or the auction. There's some convoluted plot about an auction, isn't there? Yeah, um, the, yeah. the, 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 the fake Bavistock and Hitler, i.e. Gerald and Sydney are carrying out on the train. The train which is the Orient Express, but it's going around the stadiums of England. Yes, that confused me. Again, that doesn't make much sense. Um, so yeah, one of the bidders is chasing after William Flo as they go off on some subplot that I can't quite remember. Mm. And that's the first time we meet the Jolene and Elmer. Well, they're going to the and bank, aren't they, to see... That's, there's something in the bank. That, that's right, the, 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 the disc containing the secret plans. The fusion the, plans. The fusion plans is yeah. in the bank, that's right. Yeah. So that's the first time we meet jo, El, Elmer and Jolene, to, to give them their full names. Well, we don't have their full names, we don't have the sound. And he, the, the Korean... Um, bidder, who's the one who's chased them? The guy keeps saying, "What did they say?" in a very, very stereotypical accent. Yeah, it looks dubbed as well. Yes, from maybe the ADR guy again. He, he yeah. really did do a lot of good work in this. Sure. Um, and he he says, "What did they say?" And she goes, "Oh," and he goes, "Elmer." He goes, "We will not bow to terrorist threats." That's right. And, and the Chinese the Chinese guy throws the woman into the lake. Yeah, and he says, "Fella, let me buy you a drink." And as you say, that becomes a running. That a running happens joke about throughout. five times. But and it's also the, the, the Elmer is played by the guy from Goldeneye who gets killed by um, on a top. Yeah, oh, you, that was going to be my big reveal. I didn't oh, know if you knew that. I'm really but sorry. Yes, no, that's fine. That's that's just let's throw my notes away. I've been on. But yeah, I, I, that, when I found out that I liked him even more. Yeah, because he, the, the, he the, just the thought that after all those years with Jolene, he did eventually bin her, became a general, and then got shagged to death by a Russian. I did start thinking though, that this screenplay is ram. Ram packed full of your dad jokes. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's like every second someone drops a complete fucking clanger, like your dad would say at Christmas dinner. <laughs> it's like, oh God, oh God, not another one. Yeah, but, Roger, but to be fair, Roger Moore is, is the worst offender, isn't he? Because he is. I've just seen in my notes, it's, it's we've passed it, but I've just seen it. It's when they go to the, the, where the place where the safety deposit box are, Lacey's, isn't it? Mm. And, and there's a woman out there and she's selling cheese and she's like, Swiss cheese is available, it's soft and hard cheese. Sir, can I press you to something soft? And Roger, eyebrow straight to the ceiling, why not? We'll have the cheese afterwards. <laughs> and every single, I don't think you get more than five minutes without Roger dropping one of these awful dad jokes. Nope. And he is the... the Principal offender. Michael Caine. I mean, they're, they're sort of doing... It, it's, it feels almost like it could have been a Richard Pryor, Gene Wilder vehicle, except that uh, Richard Gene, Gene Wilder is Michael Caine because he shouts a lot. Yes. But Richard Pryor and Roger Moore <laughs> wouldn't work at all. <laughs> no. No. Do you think that's what they were trying to do, is that they were trying to capture that and... This is their silver failed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining a remake of See No Evil, Hear No Evil with Kane. Roger Moore and Kane. It'd be brilliant. So, so I just threatened bank- to shoot her with my erection. <laughs> well, that's how it would be, because as you say, he's Wilder, mm-hmm. and Roger Moore is Richard Pryor, so he would be blind, and Michael would be deaf. He's deaf, mm. not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so, after... Um, where are we up to in this oh, well, wonderful we're, film? We're, we're, 
We're on the train somewhere, aren't we? Back on the train. I was just going to mention because there's a the, after the auction, there's um, Roger. Well, Roger Moore's auction goes better because he gets a Russian lady. Yes, and uh, agree. Yes, he's he's going to try and sleep with her. <laughs> and uh, Michael Caine interrupts it because the real uh, Doctor Jan- Doctor Daniel Hickler has somehow got on the train, and I can't tell you how. No, I don't know how. And has they've had a fight, and he's managed to tie him up. They have, well, this happens a lot, doesn't it? There's there's yeah. several fights between the two Roger Moores. Uh, sorry, the two Michael, two Michael Caines. Caines. Yeah. Um, well, one Michael Caine and one not very lookalike stuntman yeah. who gets. There's one, but remember he gets shaving cream sprayed in his face, isn't it? Yeah. So they can disguise the fact. Very convenient. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he ties him up, doesn't he? And then later on, the other it's the other way around, isn't it? And Hitler gets tied up. But this time, oh. Hitler dashes off, doesn't he? Or, or is it? Or which way around is it? You see, this it's so fucking another, confusing. Honestly. I need a narrator to remind me which way around it is. But yeah, but, the, but they, yes. they managed to sort of split it later because the the real Hitler gets a uh, plaster on his nose. Yes, during one of their many fucking fights, they seem to have every two <laughs> seconds. But, I was just thinking about the uh, the woman, you, the Russian woman you mentioned. I yes. think she she's a she's Roger Taylor from Creed, Queen's Wife. Oh really? Yes. Because she years she gives married. the best line in the whole film, doesn't she? Uh, the very possibly uh, the, the man who won- wins the auction with Michael Caine is this very strange-looking Russian guy, I think. He goes up to her and he says, "Do you find me strangely attractive?" And she says, <laughs> "She says, no, deep sea no. fisherman throw back better fish." Right. <laughs> but luckily for you, I'm a nymphomaniac. <laughs> <laughs> and then they um, basically there's a subplot about those two basically having a, a beautiful affair. Yeah. They're in the back of every shot, cuddling and kissing. Yeah, that's right. They're, they're, they're sort of doing tourist romantic things while the, the main plot's happening. Yeah, but so they've also... abandoned, like, trying to get these energy plans and they're just having it off. Yeah, because they're, they're, they're on the job, aren't they, when the CIA, for some reason, burst in and shoot the door off their... Yes, and their, it's, their, their again, train it lingers too long. It's like him pumping away under... <laughs> they're under a blanket, so you can't see anything. But yeah, the, the so CIA... human, sex, human sex must be covered up, but dog sex can be shown This is what I was going to say. In, yeah, in the winner world. Yeah, yeah. the, the um, winner lot. Um, nice. There's lots of pumping away. He's a winner, blanket. but we're all losers. Exactly. And yes. there's all these shots going off, and then the joke that you're expecting of her going, "Oh, she says something like, oh, the earth moved' or something.' Yeah. Like and you're like, "Oh, that's the joke I was expecting." And then the pumping commences <laughs> again. And I'm like, that should have stopped because now it just feels like we're watching two people having sex rather than a joke. She gets some, um, because I don't think she ever does cop off with Roger Moore, does she? But no. he, he he tries to. They, they go back. And, he has a shower for some reason. Yeah, and he goes, come in here, dear, and see if you can tell the difference between this and soap on a rope. That's it. It's like he was worried, <laughs> he's obviously worried about his cock. Yeah, I mean. So I'll have a shower well, first. But if it looks like soap on a rope, I'd be worried, to well, be honest. He'd definitely be worried. But yeah, but it's Michael Caine who comes in in the end, isn't it? Yeah. And he gets to sort of say, I don't believe I had the pleasure and Roger Moore, I've not had the pleasure either. And it goes on for... Ages. Ages, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, More so your get, jokes. Yeah, so how do we get from that to... Because they, they, they do several auctions which seem to be on a sort of home and away FA Cup draw sort of style to mm. build towards a final auction. Then you get the moment where um, they get the, the the man offers to open the cabin for them and as he does, there's a sawn off shotgun on a string. <laughs> and it shoots the man and his head literally just falls off because he's a mannequin. <laughs> And then Roger Moore breaks the fourth wall and says, I've heard a man moving his head over a woman, but this, he's just been shot. That's possibly, um, 
the greatest, the greatest moment, moment yeah. in British cinema history. It is. And I, I will so. fight any man who says different. I'm hoping that when Michael Winner died, you know, at the Oscars, they do like a little, <laughs> a little uh, montage yes. of their greatest moments. They'd have the dog shagging on the back of the van <laughs> and that mannequin head falling off. And it just said Michael Winner, 1930 till whatever. Those we have lost. Yeah. Yes. Because the dog shagging on the back of a flat back lorry is just poetry in motion. And the mannequin being brutally slain mm. by a, a sort of chained shotgun. up shotgun. Yeah. yeah. I have heard of a man. Oh, God. There's lots of, there's a couple of fourth wall breaks in here by both characters, isn't there? Well, Michael Caine's, does he, do, well, he, I suppose he's narrating, so he, he's probably on the other side of the fourth wall already. And there's, a, there's also a terrible running joke that Michael Caine, sadly for him, Hickler is a vegetarian. So every time they have dinner, Roger Moore's like, hey, I've got lobster thermidor. What have you got? And he's like, I've got tofu and spaghetti. Yeah, and then in, but that becomes another plot point, doesn't it? Because yeah. bad Roger Moore mm. gets on the train again somehow. It's not really explained not how. Not explained he, at all, though. To John. And he, and he posing as a restaurant critic. He it's, goes and we get an exhibition <laughs> again because the chef says, oh, it's wonderful to have the Sunday time <laughs> restaurant critic here. <laughs> so not only. So, so John poisons the whatever it is the the, the, the decent soup, food, the lobster soup, lobster soup. That's right. And because Sydney has to eat, like you say, cauliflower or whatever, it, it is, is literally a bit of cauliflower he's given. He's the like only he's one. A well, fucking he, rabbit. <laughs> yeah, they, they've got this great Michelin-starred chef is in the kitchens, but they can't cook vegetarian food. Yeah, but the best bit is then more wonderful ADR is when it cuts to after everyone's eating the soup. You literally get people holding their tummies and <laughs> you just get this <laughs> noise is going on. And then Patsy Kensit just stands up out of and nowhere. Appears, appears out of nowhere. Yeah. I'm going to sue you. Yeah. Practicing for Liam. What? Listening to the sort of rabid farting noises. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then, then we get, then they're told that, um, oh, there's also the CIA agent who I've written is Mike Pence. He, he looks exactly hell, yes. like Mike Pence. Um, but then they have to go to Scotland and live in this castle, which made me start thinking this is a bit like help when they have to go and live in Buckingham Palace. Now I see where you're coming from. Because yes. all the guards are wearing suits of armour, just like in help. Yes, and we have to have the guy who, who nips off for a piss mm. and has trouble going for his piss. Well, they don't make enough of that, actually. Perhaps I would have thought, judging by their previous form in this film, mm. you might have seen a bit of rusty metal or piss trickling down the guy's leg but you just say I'm oh, sorry sir I had to go for a piss or something yeah but when, they get to, when they get to Scotland off. there's there's. I'm pretty sure I'm 99% sure that when they get to Scotland and they show you know the Scottish festival going on with the bagpipes and everything it's stock footage yeah there's a lot of Scott stock footage yeah yeah I'm pretty sure it's mm-hmm. just like they've just dug it out of the archives well so they, they haven't even graded it I mean it's a nerdy thing to, to sort of go on about uh, absolutely. They haven't even grade, it's absolutely completely wrong grading because yeah. and you just think well this is the Highland Games from 1967 they've, like you said they've pulled it out of the archives yeah. and we'll, we'll just drop a few frames in no one will care mm. and um, really no one did care because I think, probably, I think in this film there's literally about six extras well Jenny Seagrove who was winner's wife bit of stuff at the time mm-hmm. wife possibly wife sorry yeah, Jenny yeah. Um, not bit of stuff that's a terrible stuff yeah. um, wife girlfriend partner um, she plays two roles she, she's in it um, yes. I can't remember what she, she I can't remember the two I remember the second one I remember the second one I don't remember the first one no same same with me yeah. but, so she's in it twice and obviously but maybe that's just a, a sort of little joke because obviously the main actors are in it twice essentially playing two roles I don't know but when they get to the castle they're told they have to dress up in quick kilts 
Yep. Because they have to what? Yeah. I, I can't explain why I can't explain why they're in kilts. I can't no. explain why the other ones are in kilts as yes. well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And specifically identical kilts, so they look exactly like each other. For and the then final. there's that moment where they face each other and it's so confusing because they all look identical. Like there's nothing, you know, there's no they haven't given them the... I don't know if Michael Caine's still got the plaster on his nose. I don't think he has. No, I don't think he does. But the thing is, it doesn't actually look that good. None of the scenes where they sort of cut from one couple to the other couple looks anyway convincing. They'll show a shot of Kane and Moore as Gerald and Sydney, and they'll, they'll cut to a shot of clearly not them walking out of a doorway. Mm-hmm. And then the next angle is a completely different angle showing the actual Kane and Moore. Well, and it, it never works. It never works. Even Every the bit where looks Kane backs into pretend Kane... Yeah, it's shit. It's awful. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm picking on that one thing. The rest of the film is perfect. Yes. Obviously. But M- meanwhile, that, Flo no. and Willie go to the bank yes. and meet the Chinaman who says, um, what did they what tell you? What did they you? say? Yeah. And they get the disc in the, in the safe. And then you get more ADR. Because Michael Caine turns up to get the disc, the real Babastock. Yeah. Not the Babastock, sorry, Hitler. I'm getting confused now. And then you hear ADR in the background going, what wife and daughter? I haven't got a wife and daughter. <laughs> and then he rushes in the room and they've gone. And he opens the safe and they've locked the Chinese man in there. And he again says, what did they say? That's his last one, I think. Isn't yeah, that is his last one. And then he chases them to the castle with Babastog. Yes. And then you get another scene where they drop two things, two separate, th- or one thing on um, that man's wife. She gets well. She gets some. Um, I chest of drawers. I, I, I've made a list actually. I made a list of her catastrophes, mm. or the latter part of her catastrophes. Go on, we want to hear That's this. right. That's right. She gets um, when the she gets pushed in the lock by the CIA by Mike Pence. Mike Pence shoves her in the uh, in the lock. Oh, yeah, yeah. So right. Elmer owes her a drink. It was him a drink. <laughs> then they drop the whatever it is the the coffin on her head. Whatever. Yeah. So she's he owes them a drink, and then. During the Highland Games, they're tossing the hammer, or the, not the cable, the cable's the, the wooden pole. Isn't it? So yeah. They're throwing the hammer. Yeah. And Elmer and Jolene are sat in their car, probably trying to get the hell out of there because well, she says this kill. is in London. That's right. And she yeah. gets, that's right. And the, the, the hammer lands on the car and he gets out going, can I keep this as a souvenir, fella? Just before he dashes off to become a general in the American army. And Canadian? Shag on the top. Canadian army, sorry. Yeah. Yes, and shag on the top. Um, what a way to go. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Michael Caine then ha- goes through three different pratfalls he stands on yeah. two swords that hit him on the head yes he does he gets a, a tug of war rope in the bollocks yeah and <laughs> which is it is funny actually it is he does it's... sell that one quite well oh he gets and he gets hit by a cable someone chucks a cable That's and he hits him around the head with it so yeah. he gets a, a severe series of pratfalls to, to participate in, which he carries off with a plomb <laughs> well, I think we should mention, because as, as you've been saying, a plot point that's, that was foreshadowed several times by the ADR guy yeah. is obviously that Willie and Flo are playing mother and daughter. Oh, yeah. yeah. But they actually are mother and daughter. Yeah. And of course, the father, oh, as God. was explained, they, they all live together in the su- summer the of love. Summer of love, they keep saying. They do keep mentioning it. In 1967, Willie, Sydney, and Gerald all shared a flat, and clearly they were all shagging each other. Yeah. And the sort of secondary whodunit B plot of this film is which one of them is Flo's dad. Yeah, that's right. And right at the end we find out, but obviously there's lots of banter in between. But yeah. what happens to get to that point? Yeah. Um, Barry Stock and Hitler try and 
driveway. They nick someone's white convertible VW and drive off in it. So Sydney um, and Gerald steal a motorbike. They do, and yeah. chase off after them, mm. giving the stuntmen more work to do. Yeah. Um, more people fall in rivers. There's some river falling people. Yeah. There's some Scottish people talking about going to London. That's it. Um, I went to pub. London once. It's that way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that exactly that. Yeah. Um, and then Roger, Roger, it's Michael's driving. Michael Caine drives the motorbike over the, it jumps over the roof of the pub, crashes into the car park, landing inside the, the car. Um, the car. Mm-hmm. Somehow it doesn't kill Bavistock and or even maim Bavistock and Hickler. Get out and take Flo and Willie prisoner. Yeah. I think, but with his darts, even in the pocket of his kilt. Well, they, they, they do foreshadow it a few minutes earlier because he gets the darts out. Oh, he does. That's Roger right. Roger Moore says, no CIA, time for a darts match. Because <laughs> he, he's doing it to prove he's him, isn't he? That yeah. he's the darts guy and he's not the, the That's scientist right. guy. So he chucks the darts. One lands in Dr. Hitler's eye. Yeah. The other one lands in Bavistock's hand. No, it's Hitler's nose because he gets to do his, his nose. He has to do that again at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Which is obviously his favourite joke. Um, yeah, well, Roger and Willie, one goes in Babastock's hand, and one goes that's in right, Hitler's nose. That's right, goes in, in Hitler's nose. And so, but after that, there's some more... Well, the Americans say, and the English say, well, you can't have the diamonds because of so-and-so. You can't have the rubies, emeralds you had, but you get to have immunity from prosecution. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. So and that's all Mike this whole time, is it Mike? And that's Mike Pence saying that. Mike Pence so, and the uh, British guy, but the whole time Flo has got this disc of the fusion plans, which they got from the pub, that, yeah, from the and, uh, and safety deposit box. Sorry. None of her bosses will listen to her, so she doesn't tell them that she's got them. So she rushes back to Roger Moore and Michael Caine and says, "Look, here's the plans. Go and make yourselves lots of money." So they, right. sell it, they sell it back to the British government, who give them some diamonds. Initially, a fake. That's when um, uh, Nicholas Courtney gets to say, this is the worst fuck-up I've seen in 43 years in the service. Yeah, um, he should know. He I, was running... Um, oh, unit. God. Unit, thank you. I just completely forgot what it was called. Yep. Um, so, But I, I think that's when they say, is that around the time they get the money and they go to the pub afterwards, they're celebrating, <laughs> and Flo's there playing darts. Yes. And she's brilliant at darts, which obviously proves that her father is Michael Caine. And As not they Roger walk Moore. in, she gets a... Bullseye! See, it all ties up beautifully. But of course, the the final twist is that Roger Moore looks at the camera and says, funny, I thought she was my daughter. That's it. Because she, the actress, Deborah Barrymore, is Roger Moore's daughter. I did not realise that. Yes. It's another little meta joke. (sighs) And it's great for a second, but then when you rewind to her first appearance, when she's in the bar in the hotel earlier on, Roger Moore is perving over her. And saying, let me buy you ladies a drink. I was just reading your chest. That's his daughter. Oh, my God. And then um, he sells, they sell the plans to the British government and they go to Barbados. They do. And they just happen to bump into... John Cleese. Yeah, who is... I wonder what made John Cleese, who's famously happy to accept holidays and money, appear in a Michael Winner film in, the bar, in Barbados. Impossible to... We'll never know. He, he's been course, in a couple of Michael Winner films, I think. Wasn't he in Parting he? Shots? I don't know. I've never seen it, but no, I can well it. imagine. I can well imagine he has. It's famously the worst Michael Winner film because it stars Chris Rea. What? Yeah, Chris the the Chris Rea. Yes, the the highway. Well, what's it called? Highway to, to hell. hell. No, that's basically road, road to hell. Road to hell. The road to the road to hell, man. Yeah, road to hell. Driving home for Christmas on the road to hell. Yes, he's in parting shots as a man who's got cancer and decides to kill everybody who's wronged him. Why did Michael Winner, who's best known for these brutal gun fests 
Mm. Decide to make light-hearted caper bullseye. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe mm. it was the chance to work with comedy titan Roger Moore and Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> and the actual comedy titan, John Cleese, who turns up to play who they think is John Cleese, but he's actually playing a man who looks like John Cleese, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, they say, uh, you get more narration over the end titles. You might think that was John Cleese, but it was a man who looks like John Cleese and he swindled <laughs> us out of money. So, yeah, so they so they basically sell their... Sell their they sold the plans to the government. The government build the fusion power yes. station to yeah. make the cheap energy. Mm. Um, Margaret Thatcher turns up to do... Um, Who's Steve Allen? She's hoping. Not played by Steve Allen, just voiced by Steve Allen. Oh, so is it? It's somebody else. I don't why having they've got the the foremost Thatcher impersonator of his generation yeah. in history, yeah. Mm. But they don't think he looks enough like her, so they get in a woman who looks probably nothing like her, probably. and get Nalan to do the dubbing. But mm. oh dear, says Nalan as the plant blows up and yeah, it all blows up, and then you see Hitler and um, Baverstock in prison, and Hitler yeah. turns to him and says, <laughs> "Yeah, I should have given it another two weeks or something like that." Yeah. I mean, it, it, and then we're back in the bar in Barbados. And, and then John Michael Cleese Kane's is literally on the phone and he goes, <clears throat> what, it doesn't work? You want your money back? Sorry, Tonight we've, we've spent, spent it. it. And, then, and then you see Jenny Seagrave again hanging on his arm. Yeah, that's right, she's, she's there and John Cleese buggers off absolutely having about two lines. I, most I of which he mumbled. says anything. I do, I he he, mumbled, he mumbles something. He's, he's, he's doing something like he's trying to, I can't remember if he's trying to remember the area code or a, He's or holding up a book that I couldn't quite read what it was. But No, I couldn't. That was obviously some but, sort of in-joke. But whatever it is, he's, he's obviously stolen the money. Hmm. But we only find this out as the credits are rolling. And as you say, Kane and now Moore as well are still talking over the closing credits trying to explain what's going on, which is... Still, bullseye. Yeah, I was going to say, if that hasn't sold it to people, yeah. I don't know what will. No, I don't. No, I mean it's 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 quite the thing, and and it's it's not ever mentioned ever by anyone. Well, to, to be fair, the Daily Telegraph did call it the seventeenth worst film of all time. Really? Yep. So I'm surprised it was that low. It's below it's below the original Casino Royale, I think, actually, in the list. Of, I, I did look at it earlier. I'd but, rather watch the original Casino Royale than Bullseye again. I'd rather watch a wall. Hmm. Myself, I'd just stare at a wall and listen to the sound of dogs fucking. I, I think we don't, we can safely say we've covered Bullseye very well here. We've covered it from beginning to end. Absolutely. And I think if you, if you, after this, if you don't want to watch Bullseye, that's fair enough. Yeah, if, but if I you think do, you should. I think you should. It's mm. on YouTube. It's readily available on YouTube, even though it's called something like Bushley. Yeah. If we can find out what that means. Yeah. If you do helpful. know what it means, please do let us know. <laughs> please. <laughs> but it probably, it probably does mean cock. Probably does. It probably means warning dog sex. <laughs> please do not watch this if you have animals present but David Lewis thank you so much for joining us thank you very much for having me and it was a pleasure to talk to you about Bullseye thank you goodbye bye allow me sir even James Bond never had it this rough I've heard of losing your head over a woman but this I don't know what I'm more worried about being gunned down or updrafted Castle will hold up tonight. Don't worry, Sydney. Can't believe those two bums are still alive. When Oscar winner Michael Caine, Roger Moore, and Sally Kirkland take aim to steal a fortune in diamonds. Everybody down! You better take cover. What's happened? I think we should change caterers. Bullseye on target and totally off the wall. You don't look happy. I come from a broken home. 
Smash Pod. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.